The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Quentin Fottrell, the Managing Editor for Personal Finance at Market Watch. And together with me today is my colleague, Leslie Albrecht, Deputy Finance Deputy Personal Finance Editor at Market Watch. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Quentin. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for being here. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Leslie, you just wrote a story about Barbie, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, and the rising power of the female dollar. And you write that spending by Beyonce fans has affected inflation in not one, but two countries. Demand for Taylor Swift tickets has broken records. Barbie made 337 million globally in its opening weekend, the most ever for a movie directed by a woman. And you say that appetite for content centered around women appears to be on the rise, not just in the US, but around the world. And you, you mentioned the Women's World Cup breaking ticket sales and TV viewership records. So my opening question to you, Leslie Albrecht, is what's going on? Is this a new era? Uh, you know, are people just paying more attention to the female consumer because of all of the above? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's actually what we wanted to explore in this story because, you know, there was all this buzz and marketing hype about the Barbie movie. And before it opened, there were all these kind of think pieces about what does the Barbie movie mean? And then it opened and it did really, really well. And it actually beat Oppenheimer at the box office. Um, and I think people might've been maybe a little surprised at how well it did. Uh, and then we took a step back at Market Watch and we were like, oh, you know, there's there's been a few different female focused um, products that have come out this summer that have gotten a lot of attention and have made measurable impacts on the economy including, as we mentioned, uh, Beyonce's world tour. It started in Sweden. Her fans spent so, so much money that it showed up in inflation data there. The same thing happened in the UK. Um, Taylor Swift, her fans broke the Ticketmaster when they were trying to get tickets to her concerts. And then people started noticing that the cities she was visiting, she was making a discernible economic impact on the local economies there. So we wanted to take a step back and, and say, like, what is happening? You know, are, are, is this like a real phenomenon where women consumers are actually making a serious dent in the economy. And um, I talked to some experts who basically said, yeah, this this is a real thing that's happening. And it's actually part of a broader societal trend that's been in the works and building for a number of decades now. Right. So, uh, so what's happening is <clears throat> the female consumer is being recognized as a power in um in america and around the world basically right By yeah and I, yeah and let's like to you know I, I think it's easy to kind of sometimes write write this off or, or like minimize uh, these kind of things but i think if you take a historical look at this it's pretty interesting i was talking to my mom about this story 
And she was reminding me that, you know, not too long ago, people she knew, women, would try to go and buy things like refrigerators and they would be asked if they had their husband's permission. Or like my mom had a friend who was a partner at a Washington law firm and she wanted to go buy a Jaguar sports car and she went into the dealership and nobody would speak to her or look at her. Um, so I think, you know, it wasn't, and, and also, you know, like women couldn't even get their own credit cards until around 1974 when uh, discrimination based on uh, sex was outlawed uh, in the credit industry. So, um, it's, it, it wasn't that long ago that female consumers were sort of not only ignored, but like shunted aside. Um, so it, I think it's important to like take a step back and, and take a look at what's really happening right now. Um, so I can't remember what you asked me. Oh, well, <laughs> that, I think you've, you've summed it up and, you know, you make a good point. I remember that. Well, I don't remember it, but I think what you're the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. Yeah. 1974. Women had some, you know, various property rights and financial freedoms, but it was technically legal for banks to refuse loans and credit to uh, unmarried women. So yeah. with you're right, that historical context, I mean, that's sort of shocking that that was, you know, within our most many people's lifetimes. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to ask you specifically, Leslie, what are some of the economic impacts of the Taylor Swift and the Beyonce effect, because you have some great stats in your story, like uh, when I liked a 30% increase in dinner reservations during Beyonce's tour stop in Philly. Yeah, so so Yelp does all this data collection about what people are searching for on Yelp. And some of that data is a little like tough to um, discern exactly because what they're, what they're telling us about is how much people are searching for certain businesses. But they also looked at the percentage of people who made dinner reservations and then went to that actually went to that restaurant to eat and there was a 30 percent increase in people going out to eat um who uh, found the restaurant th through yelp but who were there you know um in philadelphia for the beyonce show which was her first stop in the u.s that just happened a couple of weeks ago she started her tour in uh sweden um, but there and like other Beyonce stats that came out of that were very interesting. There were there was a big surge in interest in um, women owned businesses, black owned businesses and LGBTQ owned businesses saw a hundred and ninety four percent increase in consumer interest compared to the previous year in the same period. So it's making a real, you know, impact. Well, I want to ask who can afford, because you say that Taylor Swift fans spend like uh, $1,300, right? Going to the concert all in. Yeah. Spend that kind of money. I know. Who can? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, it, that's a pretty shocking stat. And that that's, you know, um, that's $1,300 on average that people are spending to see Taylor Swift. And that's not just for the, the ticket. That's like for a hotel room. Maybe they're getting a car. They're getting a special outfit. Maybe they're getting... Um, their hair done or something like that. Um, and there's, of course, the merchandise there. So people are spending a lot of money. I think, um, you know, you could make an argument that her fan base might skew towards millennials who are now entering their prime earning years um, because they are growing up just like the rest of us. <laughs> and they, they're now, uh, they're hitting their, their peak uh, earning years. So maybe they're the ones who are able to spend that money. Um, but it's a good question. I mean, we know like Bank of America actually said um, that they, they think that the, the increase in um, entertainment spending, well, actually that was related to the Barbie movie, but they, they saw a, a notable increase in entertainment spending. Right. 
So I know in your piece that you have a, we have a great illustration um, uh, that that goes with it, and it has Beyonce, Taylor Swift, and I believe Barbie. Yeah. Um, so they are the three like black pill events, I suppose, of the summer. But putting that aside for a moment, because I know we're going to come back and talk a bit about Barbie. Why is this female-focused spending really taking off this summer? Yeah, so there are a few different theories about that, and I think it's it's pretty interesting to explore. Um, you know, one idea is that women consumers really want to make purchasing decisions based on equity, inclusion, representation. They want um, products, for lack of a better word, that speak to them and make them feel heard and respected. That was what one um, analyst told me. Um, other, you know, there's also an argument to be made that people are sort of blowing off steam from the pandemic. They're still doing revenge spending, and they're also sort of maybe responding to um, some of the the bad economic news, <laughs> like um, almost like a backlash to this idea that that we're going to have a recession anytime now. Uh, people might be like wanting to just, I don't know, express themselves economically for that reason. Um, that, that's just one theory. But I mean, I think there's also like some interesting, solid economic trends that are happening with women. Um, first of all, their their labor force particip participation rate is at an all-time high, which right. is really interesting to consider because just a couple of years ago, remember, we were writing stories about the she session and how millions of women had left the labor force. And it was it was really concerning. You know, people were like, are women going to come back to the labor force? And not only have they come back, but they have like rebounded and they're back. They're at an all time high. Um, so that is like, that's pretty, pretty great. Um, and then the other thing that's going on is the, the gender wage gap, um, which is narrowed to an all time low. Um, women still, you know, they don't make as much as men on average, but their median income, their, their weekly earnings are about, I think it's now 85%. Let me find that stat. But um, All right. it's, it's better than ever, right? Better than ever, but I will push back a little bit on that point because I know Pew, among others, have said it's hardly budged. I mean, it's been around that 80, early 80s uh, mark for yeah. years. Yeah. So an all-time low mm -hmm. is also like, or an all-time high, you know, in relation to the what men earn. There's still a lot of behind the scenes work to do in terms of attracting more women into STEM jobs and encouraging them more early in education. I mean, there's a whole like that, that fact that the gender pay gap has remained so stubborn suggests that there's a, there's a whole infrastructure that starts from grade school all the way up to college and university and the workplace that is, take, that is creaking and needs to change as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, and, and it's still um, it's still the case that women are basically they're much more likely to have the lower paid jobs in our society, um, education, um, lesser paid healthcare jobs, things like that. So, um, you know, like they're teachers and, and stuff like that. So they they um, yeah they need to to um, get out of those professions that are more more precisely they need to get into the professions that are really more high paid like sales and um, C-suite. Right, excellent. So um, so what you're saying is basically, there's a, there's a whole, obviously like a whole 
um, uh, there's a just a, an entire there's a, a lot of reasons behind this, and the, these these tentpole events are really just the um, the symbol of that, I suppose. And uh, you you had talked about um, an element of nostalgia about summer spending. Yeah, I think I think that's there, right? I mean, think about it this way, right? When Barbie obviously has huge elements of nostalgia because when was Barbie? When did she come? When was she born? 1969. 1959. Yeah, 1959. So she, I mean, she she's Louise. She's a she's a baby boomer, right? No, no, she's not a baby boomer. She's a she. Anyway, she's she's an elder statesman of the female products. And she, so, but I mean, you know, and also Beyonce and Taylor Swift, like they've been around. You know, they they both became famous. Um, gosh, Beyonce 20 years ago now and, and Taylor Swift 15 years ago. So those are all these, all three of these women represent things that, um, that we came to know and love, I would say before the pandemic, they kind of represent simpler times, I think for people. And I think going back to those memories is very comforting for folks. So I think there's something to be said there about indulging in that it's a very familiar feeling for folks. Um, I also talked to one one of the people who I spoke to um, for the story, Misty Higginis. She's an economist at the University of Kansas, and she's very interested in like tracking the uh, contributions of women to the economy. Um, but she also noted that she thinks this also has to do with more female executives being in charge and approving things like movies and other stuff. Um, and not only like more female executives being in charge, but also more men who maybe were raised by feminist moms and are more open to the idea of doing products that really speak to women. Um, so that's another that's another element here. Maybe right. could be could be. Yes. And uh, uh, when you, you use the word Barbie was born, it shows you what a powerful figure that is. That means she must be. That's fifty nine. She's looking. At her 401k, I presume. Yeah. If she has one with Mattel, checking her social security. Um, we need a, we probably, there probably is one out there, but I think we need like a Barbie, you know, an older gray haired Barbie. Oh, right? yeah. Is there a gray haired Barbie? I don't there know. There may be, but if there isn't, there should be. Uh, but, you know, what was interesting to me, Leslie, about that whole Barbie phenomenon was that it was like a feminist, it was really a very feminist film about a lot of serious topics like toxic masculinity, gender equality that you're talking about. And it was marketed in such a, like a politics-free pink fluffy way. Yeah, tell, I think that's so interesting. Yeah, tell, yeah. tell me about that. Well, you wrote story about it. it appealed yeah. to all sides of the political spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Although so I have to say some male reviewers did not take kindly to the way men or Ken's in this case were treated in the film, happened to take offense, but, um, I was struck, and maybe there's a broader point here about you know the female consumer in general, but I was struck, and I wrote a piece about this, by a woman who was by herself. She was having a $5 glass of rosé because the restaurant was offering five glasses of rosé you know, as part of the Barbie phenomenon. She had just gone to see Oppenheimer. She was on her way to the Barbie movie. She'd seen Oppenheimer dressed head to toe pink, right? And I just thought like, she was sitting at the bar by herself. And I just thought this was a very empowering scene for me that, uh, that you know, movies and in many ways music, you know, it's escapist, it ask, they ask us to suspend our disbelief, you know, but here you had this pink Barbie uniform, I don't know, you saw it all over New York mm -hmm. and all over, you know, Europe. 
you know, where where fans were in a sense managing to suspend their disbelief before the credits even rolled. And it was sort of a national, global, collective experience that I think was probably welcome after the last global collective experience, if you remember that in 2020, which was, of course, the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there is, I, to your point, um, I do feel like that um, there was an element of, you know, relief, revenge spending, not just by by women, because 35% um, of the Barbie audience on the opening weekend were actually men. Sure. So I think that's also down to the marketing campaign that was really like Star Wars proportions. And as somebody felt said to me, it felt like, it felt like back in the days of analog television where everybody was doing the same thing, right? So you have this whole generation of young women who are all like Swifties, right? So there's this sort of, in the era of streaming when there's so many distractions, certain things have uh, been lightning rods, I think, for the, for the female consumer. Uh, I mean, we had Microsoft releasing a Barbie Xbox series. We had Airbnb <laughs> with an actual Barbie uh, Dreamhouse for rent. So, um, so I feel like um, you know that that sort of collective experience played a role. But I have another theory, right? Yes. And to your point about the female consumer, and it's the concept in psychology. It's called the contrast effect. And I wrote about it in terms of the contrast of the Barbie marketing versus the actual content of the Barbie movie, which had a thread of, of um, there was sort of a subversive thread. It was supportive of the brand, but there was definitely a lot of real social issues that that movie was attempting to tackle. Um, and in simple terms, and, and also the contrast effect uh, relates to the, you know, Oppenheimer versus Barbie, because they were two very different movies. And, uh, you know, the the fluffy marketing campaign, um, I suppose, made the serious themes of Barbie even all the more impactful. But I also think that may be true for the impact of the female consumer this this summer, right? And that they've always been there spending. Yes. Um, there's always been, you know, the female consumer has always been there, you know, 51% of the population, but that these events that you highlighted in your story created that contrast effect that allowed us to celebrate the female consumer and really, as you did, look at what was really going on. Yeah, I kept thinking about that stat that is the oft-quoted stat about how women control 80% of household spending. Um, and so, you know, the, the, she's always been there in the background, uh, pulling the strings, as it were. But I think in this case, what, what we're seeing is like very um, explicit examples of women spending their own money to see these products that celebrate them. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. It's a moment. It's a moment. But, you know, I think the other interesting thing is some people are like, oh, this has happened before. You know, like, remember in 2011, there was this movie called Bridesmaids. Right. Which was a very funny movie with Maya Rudolph and um, Kristen Wiig. Uh, and, and after that, there were all these stories about how the movie was proof that women would see a funny movie or that they could lead a funny movie. Um, and, you know, now Hollywood knows about female audiences. But I don't, I you know, I think it kind of went back to 
business as usual after a couple of years. Um, but so, you know, it, it's sort of like a revelation that uh, that Hollywood has every few years, I think. Um, but I think some people, you know, definitely see this as a more permanent shift in, in consumer spending. Um, and I talked to a woman who started a, a venture fund called Cake Ventures. Her name is Monique Woodard. And her whole thesis behind her fund is that she's looking at three demographic shifts that are happening. One is the aging of the population. Two is the shift to majority minority in the United States, meaning that most of the population is gonna be people of color in a couple of decades. Um, and then also the increased spending and earning power of women. And so she's her whole thing is to invest in companies that, that serve those demographic shifts. And she really sees women as like this key uh, market segment that can be uh, invested in and, and uh, presents a real opportunity for investors. Um, and to, just to, on the investing theme, Birkenstock is gonna have its initial public offering based, you know, in part because I think they had got a little boost from the Barbie movie because uh, there's some Birkenstocks in there. I remember, <laughs> I saw the movie. Uh, uh, yeah. I think this is a good time to, re to remind uh, viewers to send in questions, if you have any questions. And we did have one from Nancy about the rise in the female consumer, but who was paying the bills. Um, I think we addressed that in, in, in part, you know, who's people, women making the spending decisions in households, but also the gender pay cap uh, closing. Um, we also have a couple of comments from readers, Leslie. Uh, somebody, yes, Mary says Barbie was born in March 1959. She's a boomer. Uh, uh, Giovanni says, I'm not sure Barbie is a good example in our context. She was definitely different back, back in, the in the 1960s. I think there's one thing, you know, people have spoken about the sort of sexualization of, of the doll and how, and, you know, and, and all of that, because there was a much different version of Barbie called Cindy that came out of the UK, you know, a few years later. But, um, but I will say that that does speak to what you're talking about, Leslie, which is the, the, uh, the confidence, right? And the empowerment mm -hmm. of young women driving these, you know, uh, massive uh, shifts in consumer spending. And that, as you said earlier, is in sharp contrast to you know, 40, 40 years ago. But we also have another question from um, a reader, um, from Alan actually. Are we seeing more women in marketing and MBA programs at the undergraduate and graduate level, enabling them to move into roles that impact women? I think the short answer to that, Leslie, right, is yes. Yeah, actually, and I, I looked that up for you, Alan, um, and there was a study in 2022, and it looked at the share of women in, in the MBA programs at the top 56 business schools, um, and it was 41% as of 2022 were women, and that's up from 20 years ago when it was 27%. Um, I think the other thing that's, that's interesting is this educational trend, that this broader educational trend, which is that women are getting more college degrees than men. Um, and there's been this huge decline in, decline in um, college enrollment, but that's basically been led by men. And if the current trends continue, two out of three college degrees will be, new college degrees will be held by women soon. Um, and that's, you know, that educational att attainment is helping women earn more money and get into better paying jobs. So that's part of the, that's part of the big shift that's happening 
Um, so it's not just it's happening in, in 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 very important areas as well because obviously this is a like MBAs were for years dominated by by male applicants. And I, I also noted that a grad, graduate admission council um, survey found that that more women are applying for MBA programs. Sixty percent of MBA full time programs reported an increase in women applicants in 2021, and that's up from 38 percent before the pandemic. So um, Harvard Business School has similar data to support, you know, a rise in, in female applicants as well. So I feel like there's more support for women in business schools. There are more mentors, more female business leaders, more programs to support women in the workplace. Um, so uh, that's, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, all, all good news. But uh, some, you note in your story, Leslie, that some investors see um a, a business bigger business opportunities in the female consumer beyond what we're talking about this summer can you tell me a little bit about that yeah i mean there's you know there are there's other uh there are other things happening that suggest the power of the female consumer one is um the rise of xian the uh, fast fashion chinese company um which is uh, probably going to have an IPO soon and has a, I think, over $60 billion valuation. There's also Kim Kardashian's brand, Skims. Um, say what you will about Kim Kardashian, but uh, that company it also has a multi-billion dollar valuation. Um, but it's also, like, women also are spending more in healthcare. They really helped uh, Teladoc reach a huge valuation um, because they were doing a lot of um, telehealth during the pandemic. Um, so there are a lot of other areas that um, where women are contributing economically. Um, and there was one other one I was going to mention, but I can't remember. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, you know, it's uh, it's an exciting time. Um, oh, yeah. No, a commenter also mentions Elf Beauty. Um, that is there's he's they. Uh, they say that the stock chart of Elf Beauty really shows the power of the female consumer. I don't have that in front of me, but maybe that's also some other evidence there. Excellent. Um, we have a comment from Neil who says that Dr. Warren Farrell, I don't know if you can read this comment, uh, Leslie, a founder of the National Organization for Women, wrote a book uh, about why men earn more. In the book, he says that gender does sometimes play a part in the gender inequality, but he also lists 25 reasons why men make more than women. Uh, among them, he notes that men are willing to work more hours than women. Men are willing to take riskier jobs and more hazardous assignments, willing, more willing to change location. Um, do you believe this is incorrect? Well, I would also say that women are, um, according to the American Time Youth Survey, they're much more likely to take on domestic duties and do um, work around the house. Um, so I, like, that's another thing that's taking up women's time. Um, and if it might be the case that, you know, they're willing to work more hours than women. I don't, I don't know if that's, do we, is that it? <laughs> I, I haven't seen data that suggests that. Um, but I would say that like, the, one of the things that, that eats into women's time is their domestic duties. And childcare as well, which also mm -hmm. means women yeah. take time off from work and they lose out of promotions and pay raises because of that time off. And uh, and as you said, we saw we saw that especially during the pandemic. Um, so uh, that's worth worth noting as well. 
Um, so we also, um, uh, we have a few questions about how female spending, uh, how the female consumer and spending thereof differs from the male consumer. Uh, did you find out anything on that? Or, I mean, I know that since the pandemic experiences have been important, which is a lot about what we're talking about today, uh, people want to get out there and enjoy their, their time on this planet effectively. Did you, uh, did you find out anything more about the differences between spending between men and women? Yeah, I think actually one of the people I spoke to mentioned that men still are more likely to be buying electronics and cars than women are. Um, but I don't know where that exactly where that data point comes from. But um, and I think there's also differences in like the age groups. I think, um, you know, the young, younger folks are more interested in spending on experiences and travel and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, there there is some there are some differences there. Um, yeah. Interesting. Um, any other final, we're at 1228, Leslie, any other final takeaways from your, from your, your story that you'd like people to know about? Um, I would say, you know, it's an interesting time to sort of just watch the, the contributions of women to the economy. Um, but I also would say like, um, you know, there are still some financial headwinds that women face and, um, they, for example, like don't have as much retirement savings as men in general, and they live longer than men. So they need more money in the future to support themselves. Um, and then also, you know, this fall, uh, there will be some things that will take, uh, consume people's economic attention, which is childcare will come back into the, the, the fold. And so will, um, student loan pavements, um, back to school shopping, all of those things are things that women uh, bear the brunt of, especially student loan payments. Um, so we'll see what happens with female spending come fall. I think it's interesting, Leslie, how the color pink is often used in, uh, uh, especially by women's women's brands. You know, Victoria's Secret. You know, the Barbie movie was like all about pink. Uh, it's a it's a I mean, pink was actually a color that was very popular. Men, you know, you know, hundred years ago, yeah, or more, were you know, it wasn't always such a female. Um, uh, it wasn't always such a female uh, identifiable, identifiably female color. But uh, I'm sort of interested in how that, as a marketing tool, and also the rise of the female consumer that you spoke about and how pink has also been, it's also been very politicized, right? Mm -hmm. It's now used in, you know, breast cancer awareness, LGBTQ+, it's an extreme, and it's also regarded by consumer psychologists as a color of hope. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I've always found that sort of fascinating that how the color itself has sort of been evolving along with women's rights, right? That uh, women appear to have um, taken this sort of branding and used it, you know, politically as well as, you know, for nostalgic brands like like the Barbie movie. Yeah, we'll have to see what the Pantone color of the year is, this year, <laughs> right? Maybe, <laughs> who knows? I think the Pantone <laughs> color of the year is a good place to end. Um, we will wait and see Leslie Albrecht, Deputy Finance.
personal finance editor at Market Watch. Um, and uh, it's all we have time for today. Thank you for being here, Leslie. Thank you for the questions, um, all of the, the listeners and viewers. And please do join us again tomorrow while Barron's senior managing editor, Lauren R. Rublin, and healthcare industry reporter, Josh Nathan Kassitz. Uh, I think I've um, mangled the pronunciation of Josh's name. I apologize. They discussed the outlook and the latest news for healthcare stocks. So thank you for listening. Stay well. And as always, have a wonderful rest of your day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.